Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're doing a series called Play-Doh. And the Play-Doh series is all based off of, if you were here last week, we started with a verse in um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 12. And this is what the verse says. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And as we kind of were tearing apart this verse, what we talked about was how this word example, it's translated from a word um, called typos. Remember how we told you to say typos three times? Yeah, typo, typo, typo. Um, it's translated from this word, which is the same word that's used to describe the impressions that were made in Jesus' hands when he was nailed to a cross. So what this verse is saying is, be an impression Leave an impression of the believers in these five areas. So last week, we asked, I asked you two questions. I hope you kind of thought about them. The first question was, are we leaving the wrong impression on people that we come in contact with? The second question was, are we even making an impression at all? So that's kind of the backdrop to this. And over the next five weeks in our Plato series, um, we're going to be discussing these five areas in which we're supposed to make an imprint, we're supposed to make an impression, because what, what we know about Play-Doh is, it's actually kind of hard because this, um, this Play-Doh is so large, but if I went like this, I can make an impression in that Play-Doh, and I can leave a mark on that Play-Doh, and all of you are going to leave a mark on others, and they're going to judge the gospel of Christ, they're going to judge Christianity based on the mark that you leave them. Um, there are sometimes, you know, we know the Word of God is active and powerful, but there, are, you know, there is an aspect to which you kind of are a walking validation of the Bible. You prove how powerful it is. So, the area that we're going to talk about tonight um, is the area of our speech. Because that's the first one in the list. It says, be an example, be an impression on speech. Promises the last Greek word maybe I'll talk about. But the word for speech that we get is the word logos. Logos, logos. Um, and what this word translated means, when we're talking about speech, it means literally speech, a communicated idea, a style of speaking, reports, or teaching. So I got to thinking, what are some ways that we communicate? What are some ways that we, you know, speak? Well, there's a lot of different ways that we speak. And I think maybe the, like the dominant way that we speak to others is not actually with our mouths. It's digitally. We use technology. Um, yeah, I saw some crazy statistic that said, like, you know, the average American teenager is on their phone for about six to eight hours a day. Um, I actually think it's probably more than that, like, to be honest. How many of y'all think it's probably more than that? Like, I would think so. Because you're at school for eight hours, and you're, I, yeah, a lot of you are, like, on your phone more at school than I ever see you on your phone anywhere else. So, um, so, so we communicate digitally. You know, we don't have to move our mouths to communicate with others. Another way that we communicate is with pictures. Um, you know, Sometimes, you know, the whole saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, you know, sometimes you can take a picture and you can get back at your ex-boyfriend by taking a picture of you with a much more attractive man. And you didn't need to say anything, did you? <laughs> you know, the communication was right there in the picture. So we communicate with pictures. Um, we communicate with, uh, this is a crazy one. You may not have ever done this before, but there's this way of communicating where you have like, you sit in front of somebody and you have a conversation with words where you move your mouth. Um, but there's that way of communicating and talking. Um, another way that you communicate is just kind of like by passing information along. Um, like retweeting something. 
Twitter was kind of on the decline and then came Trump. And now he's got four, two point, 27 million followers on Twitter. And he gets like this insane amount of retweets. So if, if, he, if he tweets something, if he tweets something without saying anything, without typing anything on Twitter, I could just hit the retweet button and boom, everybody that follows me on Twitter can read what Trump said. I don't think I've ever retweeted anything he's tweeted to this point in time. Maybe I will one day. Um, but we communicate through tweets. Um, here's, here's one. Where's Dylan at? Where's Star, Dylan Starcher? Bring up the next one. We communicate through memes. Um, I was just, thought you'd appreciate it. You don't need to come to the front. I just thought you'd appreciate this. We communicate through memes. Um, memes are kind of interesting because they kind of channel some things that we, you ever thought about this? They kind of channel some things we already thought to be true or we kind of already, we never quite thought about it that way. Um, sometimes we communicate differently if we're in a large group or a small group. Like, there are some things that I would say, like, maybe to April that I wouldn't say to you guys. Um, yeah, there may be some things that I say, like, when our life groups launch here in September, there may be some things I say within my, you know, my little life group that I may not say in front of, like, a group of 80 people. You know, so sometimes we change kind of the things we say, or we hold some things back in front of small groups. Um, we communicate with our emotions. I don't have to tell you I'm mad if I go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, any of y'all have somebody in your house that you don't have, they don't have to say anything, you just know when they're mad because their face turns like, you know, blood red. They're like, <sighs> you know, we communicate through our emotions and the way we act. Like if you're kind of feeling down in the dumps, you know, you kind of walk like with your head down and your shoulders forward like this. We communicate through our emotions. And then finally, Sometimes, and we've kind of seen, this isn't cool at all, but we've seen some of this over the past couple weeks, is people communicate through violence. Um, they communicate through their fists, or they communicate uh, through the, the end of a barrel of a gun. Um, there's so much communication, and in our country, it's almost like it's a yelling match, right? Um, but according to God, in this First, first Timothy 4, 12, we're supposed to be, when we speak, we're supposed to leave an impression of a Christian on the people that hear or hear of what we say. Um, is, is communication a big deal? Is, are our words a big deal? Why, why are they so important that that would be number one in the list? Um, there's a verse in James that I kind of think summarizes or kind of sums up why words are so important. Read this. This is from the, the message version. I don't usually read from this, but it, it said it so well. I kind of wanted to read, read this through with you. This is what God has to say about your words and you know, the, your tongue, which is representative of your words. This is, what it's, this is what God says. He says, this is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father, and with the same tongues, we curse the very man and woman he made in his image. Curses and blessings come out of the same mouth. There have probably been times where somebody has said something that has so encouraged you, you thought you could just float through the roof, and there's probably been times where somebody has said something to you that made you feel so bad and so low, you just, <clears throat> you just wanted to vanish off the face of the earth. There's so much power, so much power in our words, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So if you have your Bible, the place we're going to kind of camp out, I've mentioned a couple of verses, but the place we're going to camp out is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 was written to a church in the city of Ephesus, um, and this church um, was a young church, and there was a young pastor at that church, and you know what the pastor's name was? 
Timothy, the same guy that God and, T- and Paul were talking to in 1 Timothy, kind of cool. Um, and there's all, this, there's all these instructions about you know, how Christians should act and how they should work together and how they should be different than the rest of the people who aren't Christians. They should live differently. And what he says in here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, says so much about our words. And it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We're going to kind of pick apart this verse. We're going to kind of you know, determine what exactly does this verse mean. And what I want you to think is, how, what kind of impression are my words leaving? Um, and the first thing I want us to notice, we're going to kind of make four observations. Um, we're going to play with the Play-Doh here in a minute, I promise. The first observation I want to make is that my words, and when I say my, like you could say this too, my words have power. Anybody know who this guy is? No. No. I should have put Rocky on there. No. Musgrave, do you know who this is? You're, 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 you're a bodybuilding guy. I know. Lou Ferrigno, the original Hulk. Lou Ferrigno, he was a beast. He was a powerful man. But your words have so much power. And what I want to do, this is... This is going to be kind of like taking a drink from a fire hydrant. I don't think you've ever tried that. But I don't think you realize, and I didn't realize until I read through all these, until I read through all this stuff, how powerful the words that I say and the words that you say are. I want you to look at the verses in the Bible, what God says, and how often he mentions how important words are. So I'm going, to, I'm going to read some of these verses for you. And the first verse is Psalm 141.3. It says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 12.18 says, There's one whose rash words like a sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12.25, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 13.3, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Proverbs 15.2, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fool, fools pour out folly. Proverbs 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Do you think words are important? we got some more. By the way, if you're trying to write these verses down and you're getting hand cramps, I put this. With all the verses on it, it's, gonna, it's on the app. So you can go on the app when you get out. The refuel app's in the, it's in the, the app store. Um, and you can get this and read it. Um, so you don't have to, like, write everything down. So we're on Proverbs 15.4. Proverbs 16.23, the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious. Ju- <laughs> judicious. <laughs> judicious. And adds persuasiveness to his lips. Um, Proverbs 17.27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down to the inner parts of the body. By the way, before, I just want you to understand what this word means. When it says the inner parts of the body, what it means is the bowels. That was like, 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 like their PG way of saying about the inner parts of the body. So the people who gossip, you know what kind of talk they're doing? You putting that together here? 
okay? Um, Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it's folly and shame. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow, let's read that one again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who's hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Here's one that's pretty tough on the hypocrites. James 1.26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart, and this person's religion is worthless. James 3.5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So as we're getting into this Ephesians chapter 4, what we have to realize when we're talking about words is your words are powerful. You may think, I'm a sixth grader. Nobody cares that I exist. Like, I have no friends. Can I tell you this? Your words are powerful. And what you say does make a difference, whether you realize it or not. Think about the time in your life when somebody said something to you and it hurt so bad. Words are powerful. Words leave an impression. So that first, that's the first thing we learn is that words are powerful. God says your words are powerful. You need to realize the power of your words. The second thing, my words are, can be like wrecking balls. Um, where, why, can you grab my utensils? Um, I need my utensils. Um, words can be like wrecking balls. I had to be very careful um, finding an image for this one. Um, my words are like wrecking balls. Um, so I couldn't find a wrecking ball, but I was able to find... Um, I was able to find some things. Um, I was able to find some things. Um, first, if you've still got your, we'll, we'll talk about this here in a minute. If you've still got your finger in Ephesians 4, stay in Ephesians 4. Um, if you look at here in Ephesians, if you look in Ephesians 4, listen, listen, listen. What it says is don't let any unwholesome talk. This word unwholesome, it comes from the Greek word sapros, which means rotting or wyatt putrid or decaying. So what it's saying is don't let destructive talk come out of your mouth. Um, we'll get to this in a minute here. But um, it says don't let destructive talk corrupt. Some versions say corrupt talk. This version it says unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So here's the question and here's like the million dollar question that some of you are like, well Matt, what does unwholesome talk mean? You know, every guy in my class says this word so it can't be wrong, right? If everybody says it's okay. Let's see what the, what does the Bible say about unwholesome talk? Well, first in, in Exodus 20, verse 7, it says, You shall not net use the name of the Lord your God in vain. If you're saying the word Jesus, you're saying the word Christ, or you're saying the word God, there better not be a cuss word on the end of it. Better be using it in prayer or praise. The name of Jesus is powerful, and the name of Jesus is holy, and the name of Jesus is sacred. The, na the name of Jesus is the one who put his life down on the cross for you. Let's be more creative in our language, not use God's name in vain, even though it seems like it's on every TV show, every movie. And like sometimes we're like surprised that people that don't know Jesus use God's name in vain. What we should be surprised, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, if God hasn't changed their life, he's not going to change their talk. If he hasn't changed their heart, He's not going to change their speech. What I am concerned about is the people who say God has changed their heart. And they use the name of Jesus like it's any other name. 
So yeah, Exodus 27 says, don't use the name of the Lord in vain. Um, here's one that hits hard, perverted talk. Nobody in your schools ever talks pervertedly. Nobody in your friend group ever talks pervertedly, do they? It's a big problem. What is Ephesians chapter? Yeah, if you're in Ephesians, you can probably look over to the page next, the next page in your Bible, Ephesians 5, 3 through 4. What does it say? It says, among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because they're improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So, some of you think you're all that in a bag of potato chips because everybody around you is compromising themselves sexually and you're not. But you make the same coarse jokes. You make the same perverted jokes that everybody else does and you think you're off the hook. Do you see what this says? It says there shouldn't even be a hint, a hint of sexual immorality or coarse joking. Can we honestly say as a youth group, as friends, personally, that if someone were to listen to what we say, there wouldn't be a hint of sexual immorality. Starting to hit hard, isn't it? Ephesians 4.25, just skip back a couple of verses from 29. Read what it says. It says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Do you speak truthfully to your teacher when you copied your answers from your friend? I'll just let that one Leave a mark and you can see the bruise tomorrow. Um, Cussing. James 3.10 says, Out of the mouth come both praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This should not be. So we Cussing. Gossip. Proverbs 16.28, One who gossips separates intimate friends. What What I think is interesting about this, we think about gossip, we think about slander. Proverbs 16, or excuse me, 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. I got this in the Dominican Republic. Um, the words of the evil ones, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. So when we're playing with our Play-Doh here and we're talking about making impressions, some of you know what it's like to have somebody, they don't have a sword in their hand, but with their mouth, they take your life and they go like this. And they lop off a piece of your life with something they say. Do you know how that feels? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Have you ever been at a place in your life or a point in your life where when the alarm clock rings... You would do anything to get out of school. Because you know when you go to school, that group of girls is going to watch you walk in the school. And you don't know exactly what they're saying, but you know they're talking about you. And it feels like this. Have you ever accidentally walked in on somebody gossiping about you? And you know how bad it hurts? I was going to use the mattock and I was going to use the axe. Sometimes it feels like people are chopping you. Sometimes it feels like the words, you're picking people apart. And can I tell you what's sad is this, this is the impression that we as Christians leave on an unsaved world. How sad is it that the people that are supposed to put the lives of the broken together are the ones that are cutting them apart with their words. How 
sad is that? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I think we've all got areas to work, and we've all got some work to do here. And when we're talking about reaching others, how sad would it be for the people we're trying to reach? They come to our youth group, and they come expecting to experience Jesus, and that's what they experience. How sad would that be? My words can be wrecking balls. You can probably think of a time when this happened to you, and if you want to be real honest with yourself, if you really want to be real honest with yourself, you can probably think of a time when you were the one that was, and I can think of a time when I was the one that was contributing to doing this. And here's what I've learned is that when my life looks like this because people have been cutting me to pieces, what I try to do is I, I don't want people to see what a wreck my life is and how insecure I am. So instead of everybody looking at how my life is cut to pieces, I pick up an axe, I pick up a sword, I say words, so I cut other people down to pieces. Because the saying, the saying is, and I, th- I believe it's very true, hurt people hurt people. And people who use their words to cut other people down are probably struggling with insecurity themselves and they've forgotten who they are in Christ. So our words can be wrecking balls. But let's get to the good news. The good news is my words can be building blocks. Keep reading in this passage here. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't do this. But only what is helpful for building others up. I I hope the whole Greek thing doesn't overwhelm you, but I like to read the Bible in the original language, and what's really cool is this, this word for building each other up or helpful for building people up. This word for building up, it's the word oikodoma, which is a combination of two Greek words, oikos, which is house, and doma, which is build. So what it's literally saying is build each other's spiritual houses up with your words. You know what the impression we're supposed to leave on people who don't know Jesus is? It's that we see what's happened to them. We see the damage that's been done to people's lives and with our words, we don't pick up swords, but with our words, we help people put their lives back together. We help them rebuild their spiritual house and you know it doesn't happen right away. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, you know, just one time, man, what's wrong with you? Oh, you just need to pray more. That's not how it works. It takes time. Helping people put their lives back together, piece by piece, repairing what's broken with the power of God. Our words can be building blocks. We have the power to introduce people to Jesus. He's the one who can not just put their broken lives back together, but give them a new life. He's the one who can give encouragement and hope to the depressed. He's the one that can give second chances to those who have messed up. Our words can point people to Christ and build their lives back up. But look look at this, and I think this is why we don't, me included, don't get to do this as much. Because I think we'd all love to be able to do this. But I think here's where we fall short. Look how this verse reads. It says, build people up according to their needs. How are you supposed to build people up according to their needs if you don't know what their needs are? How do we find out what people's 
needs are. And what's really cool, a good translation of this verse is in the New American Standard Version. It says, build people up according to their needs at the moment. It's like you meet people where they are, and you're like, hey, I realize you're struggling with this. I realize you feel like everybody's trying to chop you down, but let me build you back up. The only way to do that is to find out what what people need help with. You know what most people are not going to do? They're not going to walk through the doors of refuel. They're not going to walk into the cafeteria at Cabell Midland High School and say, hello, my name is Matt, and I'm struggling with severe anxiety. I need somebody to put my life back together. Any takers? That's not going to happen, is it? Right? Yeah, that's not going to happen. You're going to find somebody that's sitting over here by themselves and nobody's talking to to them. And you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to leave your little clique of people that's sitting in this lunch table over here. You walk over to them and you talk to them. And you know what? The first conversation you have with them is probably going to be incredibly awkward because they're going to be like, what's this person's angle? What are they trying to do? Are they trying to set me up for like a big embarrassment? Are they trying to like just get information out of me? But every day you sit by them. Every day, you reach out to them. Every day, you pour into their lives and you win their friendship. And you help them build their lives back up through your words. Remember how I said words are powerful? They're not just powerful to tear people down. They are powerful to build people back up. So my words can be building blocks. And here's the fourth thing, and then we'll be done. Fourth thing, and then we'll be done. And this, this is kind of a, tr- not, not a tricky one, but this is kind of a, you know, this, this is one that really kind of makes us think. My words reveal what's inside of me. My words reveal what's inside of me. This is a, um, an x-ray of a dog that swallowed its owner's keys. Um, yeah. Our words are like x-rays, and they reveal what's going on inside of us. That's why I have a problem, and, and this is how, let me tell you, this is how I used to be. I used to be like, you know, I can, I can talk like this around my friends because they're my friends. I can talk like this around my parents. I can kind of clean things up around my parents because, you know, they're my parents. And they probably wouldn't understand, you know, if I said this kind of word. Or, and then I'm going to talk this way around my little brother because he's too young to hear some of the things that I'm saying. Words are either right or they're wrong. Words are either right or they're wrong, and they come from inside our hearts. And you know what Jesus said about this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45? He says this. This is such a Jesus thing. He says it in like a sentence that just cuts to our heart. He says, the heart speaks... Excuse me, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If your talk is real perverted, you know what that says about your heart? If your mouth is real mean and angry, you know what that says about your heart? It comes back to a heart thing. So if you struggle in this area, like I struggle in this area... The way you're going to find victory is not by saying, well, I'm just going to have to stop saying that word. You're going to find victory by changing your heart. And you know how you change your heart? You read this book. You spend time praying to God. You let God change your heart and watch your speech change. What's inside me is revealed by what I say. God sees who you are. God's the first one to know what's going on in your heart. Um... Others are usually the second to realize what's going on in your heart, and you're usually the last. (laughs) You're usually the last. You know what I learned about? I've got these pants on here, and they're getting a little tight on me. I started going back to the gym when I realized this, but my pants started feeling kind of tight on me, little by little and little by little. And the first thing I thought is, daggone American Eagle, they're shrinking their pants. (laughs) 
I got so ticked off at America. They're, they're, they're shrinking their pants. And then, um, oh, well, I don't think American Eagle's shrinking their pants. You know what? It's my wife. She's putting the pants in the dryer and shrinking them. I told her not to put the pants in the dryer. So April will tell you, I was like, I, I went over to her. I was like, were you putting my pants in the dryer again? And she's like, no. And then I, you know what I realized? I'm getting fat. I need to go to the gym. <laughs> and I've been to the gym every day this week, you know, three days so far. But, um, but what, that's how we, in, with our sin and w- w- when there's something not right in our heart, usually you know, God's always the first one to notice it. Others notice it, and we're usually the last to notice it. We blame God, we blame others, but at some point we have to deal with, with what's going on inside our heart. But you know what's so great? Verse 30, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't have to fix this alone. You have living inside you the Holy Spirit that is leading you and pulling you to say the right things and do the right things and think the right things and believe the right things. And you know how you unlock that? You know how you feed your spirit person, your, you know, the Holy Spirit inside you? Like I said before, you read this book. You pray to God. You grab a Devo on the way out that's right here on the, on the table. You start investing in yourself spiritually. The Holy Spirit starts speaking to you through his word and through prayer. And you're, you, you literally change from the inside out. So four things we're going to get out of here. Just write these down. Just write these down or we'll have the notes on the app too. And we're going to get out of here. We're not going to necessarily talk about all these. But you know, the first, I've already harped on this one so I won't harp on it. Read the Bible. You're going to hear this every time I get up here. I'm going to say this. Read the Bible. Like, read the instructions. Like, come on. Don't be that guy that tries to put everything together in your life. You don't be that guy that doesn't look at you like your dad that look, doesn't look at the instructions and ends up with five parts left over and the thing isn't level. Don't let that be you in your life. Read the Bible. Um, the next one is bite your tongue. Not literally, but hold your tongue. Um, there are some things that just shouldn't be said. The third is, and we talked about this, build people up instead of tearing them down. Here's one that I thought was just incredibly practical. Benefit the people that follow you on social media. Don't do this to just act like you're super spiritual. But we, we post on social media what we're passionate about. You know, you post 50,000 pictures of your dog or your coffee cup. Why not post a picture of your Bible and encourage people? Let's benefit people through our communication. And then here's, here's the final one, and this kind of has to do with the, um, the way in which that we, we listen to people. Be quiet. Look to the person next to you and say, be quiet. <laughs> be quiet. Here, and here's why. Here's why. <laughs> Matt, I've got you all riled up. Here's why. Be quiet so you can listen to others, so you can listen to others before you speak and actually realize what the other person needs. If I stop talking about how bad my day was just for 30 seconds and ask Avery how his day was, I may discover a way in which that I can encourage Avery and help Avery if I would just, for 30 seconds, be quiet. Our words can be powerful things. And here's my prayer for you guys. You know, I asked you this last week. Will you please come with an, an open heart, an open mind, and, and, and just invite God to transform your lives? I think this is an area where I need to transform. I think, to be honest, really to be honest, I think this is an area in which our youth group needs to be transformed. 
in the fact that we use our words to build up and not to tear down. I can't change each and every one of you. All I can do is change myself. So what I'm asking you to do is will you join me in feeding your spiritual person in using words to encourage people? Will you let God transform you? Um, if you've never even been to a point where you've believed in God, I'd love to talk to you about how God can not just transform your words, but how God can transform your eternal life. How you can be saved and know that when you die, there's a home in heaven for you. God is a God of transformation. Um, so if, if you have questions about that, please come talk to me afterwards. But, hey, Refuel, let's pray that God uses our words as an impression. Not to be corny here. I'll put a cross in here. That God uses our words through us to be an impression of the believer an impression of Christ on everyone we come in contact with. Um, I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we're going to find somebody to put in the middle to pray for specifically. Um, So let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you that um, you give us instructions in your word. You make it very clear to us what you expect from us, but not just what you expect from us, but how how we can meet those expectations by depending on your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray that for those of us that we've said things that have torn people down, um, that we will, we will seek forgiveness from you for that, that we will change, and that we will build people up. It's such a simple lesson to hear, but such a hard lesson to really live out. So I pray that you'll give us courage. Um, I pray that you'll give us a dependency on you. Um, I pray that you'll start a work in our heart, that you'll purify our minds, our minds that are thinking and saying, meditating on things that are, that are coarse or things that are perverse, that you will purify our hearts and that you'll purify our minds and that our speech will reflect that. Um, God, I pray for those of us that have kind of a propensity to gossip about others. Um, God, that rather than gossip about others, we will worship you and praise you with our mouths. Um, God, I pray for those of us that you know, we, we, we struggle with um, using profanity, God, that you will change our hearts, that you'll change our minds, and you'll change the way in which we express ourselves through words. God, we are your ambassadors, and we are your representatives. So I pray, I pray that we will make you proud, and I pray that we will honor you with the way that we speak. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.